Welcome back to Footwork, a podcast for those who dream big, never settle, and make their own path. I'm Sean. And I'm Dylan. Together with guests, we share stories and tips every Monday to educate, inspire, and create a community built of soccer players and dream chasers. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. Ali Gambone and Libby Moore are recent graduates of the famous UNC Tar Heels. High-level footy, awards, championships, and a national championship appearance left them wanting more after graduation. Together, they embarked on the professional journey, joining six other Americans at Fortuna Uting in the Danish Superliga. An amazing perspective from athletes truly in the heart of a transition into the pro game. Enjoy. So, a first double guest episode, Ali Gambone, Libby Moore, welcome to Footwork. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for having us. We start with the motto here, which is make your own path. And for you two who have made the jump to follow your dreams abroad in Denmark, we'll start with Ali. What does making your own path mean to you? Uh, it's a very good question. Um, the first thing I think of when you say that is honestly making my own path recently has been a little scary. Um, there's been a lot of unknowns in this process of going professional, which is a little bit different than the process of uh, playing college football in the US. Um, there's kind of like steps for that, like playing for a good club, um, going to showcases, emailing college coaches you want to talk to, then like calling them, then official visits. So like there's a whole process for that. But then this uh, new path that I'm creating in the professional football world is a little different. No one tells you like what to do after you graduate college if you don't if if you don't find a spot in the NWSL draft. Like no one says how or where to find an agent. No one says like when the transfer windows or signing windows open or close in different countries. And you honestly don't know what league and what country you'll fit in the most with your playing style. So that's been a little part of the scary process of finding my own path but mm -hmm. the fact that it's so scary and that we're still doing it just shows how I guess determined and dedicated exactly. we are and that kind of like makes me feel good about myself um yeah I'm I'm hopefully on the beginning of my professional path and so far it's mm -hmm. been very rewarding but also scary at the same time yeah I mean it sounds like the path is has just begun so we'll We'll see. We'll we'll check back in in a few every few years. <laughs> Libby, how do you feel about that? What did what does making your own path mean to you? Yeah, um, to me, I think something that's really important in making your own path is giving yourself flexibility and forgiveness because you're gonna make a lot of mistakes and you're not gonna know what you're doing some of the time. And so I think being forgiving with yourself and what you're going through is really important. Um, and I think it's about adapting to new situations and new challenges um, and being able to adapt and just keep moving forward. Like we both kind of just jumped in here um, and decided to just go with it and go with the flow and keep adapting to each obstacle as it comes up. And so maybe you don't have a pre-plan kind of like Ali was saying, but you're just able to keep changing at a moment's notice um, and keep being flexible um, with yourself and with others and where you're going and be patient because you know it may take longer than you think to get where you want to be um but just try to keep 
going forward towards your goals um, as step by step as you can. And staying with you, Libby, who are you? Where were you? And where are you going? Um, I'm Libby Moore. I was at North Carolina um, for three and a half years playing football there. And now I'm here in Denmark, you're in Denmark for just a little bit. And I'm hoping to keep traveling the world. And my ultimate goal would be to be playing back in the US and finish my career out in the US. And Ali? Yeah, um, my name is Ali Gambone. I grew up in Northern Virginia playing football since I was like five. And I also played three and a half years at uh, UNC, which was awesome. We had some great seasons. I think I grew as a player, a person, a teammate, a leader. Um, and that definitely helped me propel into this professional environment. And I'm also um, at Fortuna playing football in Yoring, Denmark, Northern Denmark. And it's been maybe like three months. We have a couple more months in our contract. And yeah, looking to continue this path. Don't really know what country or what league I'll end up in. But along with Libby, I think my final goal since I was little was to play um, in the NWSL where like all my USA football idols played. Um, obviously, it's a hefty dream, but dreams aren't always easy. So very excited. And Ali, when did those first dreams of going pro kind of materialize for you? And at what point did you say, OK, like this is a reality? And were there ever moments of doubt? That's a very good question. Um, I think since, I, like I said, since I was little, I've always just wanted to play soccer for as long as possible. Um, I was pretty much set on like college so college football. And, like that was my first goal. And then once I got to UNC my freshman year, um, we had a class that graduated the seniors and a good number of them went pro. And then my sophomore year, uh, again, the seniors that graduated, a good number of them went pro and I was like, I'm playing at a, at a university with footballers that are going pro and I'm hanging with them at trainings, at games. It's like, so why not say that I could go pro too? And actually that's like when my mind started to shift and I believe that this is a possible opportunity. And uh, we were very lucky at UNC to have a staff that was very well known and very well connected to the professional world. So again, all of those factors added up and pretty much like freshman, sophomore year of college, I was like, all right, this is my goal to play professional and it's, it's definitely doable. And Libby, did you, did you kind of have the same roadmap where it came a little bit later in college and you, you saw the possibilities of it or did it start a little bit earlier? Yeah, no, I think pretty similar to Ali. Um, I definitely grew up as a little kid, always wanting to play pro if it was possible, but it was just, you know, a lofty dream. Um, and so I got to college. Um, freshman year, wasn't really thinking about it. Mm -hmm. um, and then sophomore year, you know, I'd seen friends go pro. And I think the coaches started to realize, like, maybe soft sophomore age is when you start to develop more but then they started reaching out more like do you want to go pro and it's like wow I really do have this opportunity it's really up to me if I want to keep pushing and make myself um, have the opportunity so that's really when it materialized for me too and what surprised you the most making the jump from college to the professional game to start with Libby yeah that's a good question <laughs> um everything everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, it is a lot different, definitely. Um, I guess the trainings 
the trainings when we got here, the preseason was extremely <laughs> intense. Like we came right into preseason in college. Our preseason was just a week and really we had two tough days. But here we had like a month of and we missed the first month. It was really two months, but we had a month of preseason and it was a lot of running and hard practices, long trainings. Um, and so I think adjusting to like a longer season, a longer preseason um, was probably the first thing that stood out to me um, and just taking care of your body um, and being ready for that. And then I also think it's different going into college, you know, you have your class so you can kind of bond with them immediately and pretty much everyone bonds anyways, because that's just kind of how college is. You do everything together. Um, and I feel like it's a little more like relatable because everyone's in college, whereas here there's different age groups. Um, people have been playing for 10 years, some people five years, and then there's us where it's our first experience. So I think the chemistry could be different, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And so it's harder to, um, it could just be harder to fit in sometimes um, when there's so many different ages and kind of find your role on the team. And sometimes you have to make that role yourself without really any guidance. So I think that's probably one of the other biggest differences. It surprises me that you guys say that the preseason is that much harder because a lot of people, like we've had a, some Germans who have gone, actually uh, one of my teammates played at UNC too. And they talked a lot about how the fitness tests were just crazy. So it surprises me that you get to Denmark and you're like this, now this is intense. Yeah, we actually, we really only did the beep test. That was all our fitness. And nice. then we had starters reserve scrimmage that night. And that was pretty much all preseason. We just went into training. Footwork.club, the official website for all things footwork, is now live. Check out all Footwork podcast content, including episodes, guest features, and YouTube videos. The Press, a section with written articles, interviews, and blogs from ourselves and guests. Game Time, updates about our season in Germany and what's going on behind the microphone. Want to go pro? Dedicated to helping soccer players follow their dreams with helpful info and our consultation sign-up. That's a free video call with us to connect and ask anything. And of course, the footwork shop. We got some of the best merch around as well as free PDF templates like a CV builder and much more. So join the club at footwork.club. And, and Ali, how about you? I mean, what was not only the biggest surprise, but was it a bit of um, a more humbling experience coming from such a profound university like UNC to this small club in, in a small part of Denmark, a small village? Um, where you don't have, you know, 50,000 people at the campus, but there's maybe a few thousand in the whole city. Yeah, I think Libby definitely summed up some of the big points of the differences between college and the professional world. Um, for me, I think it was, it was quite humbling. Like you said, you're at this big university, you have so many fans at your games, you have coaches that have been coaching you for like three and a, three and a half years, you build this bond with teammates, with coaches, with the, the community. And then you're thrown into this whole, this whole new environment, a new culture, new language. Um, so that part was definitely different. Um, I think the biggest thing that surprised me when I came in here, I definitely I think kind of going into a lesson that I learned was that first impressions mean a lot. 
Um, I wasn't, I didn't know what I was getting thrown into coming over here. And I think I wasn't as like determined or focused as I should have been perhaps like my first couple of training sessions or games here. And so, yeah, cause in college you have, you have three and a half years to kind of make, make a name for yourself hmm. and here it could be like a week and then like that's your reputation or like a couple months here. And then you might not be offered another contract and you have to go somewhere else. So like showing up every single day, not saying that we didn't do that at UNC, but here it's so important to come out every single day, every single training, every single lift, every meeting, like you have to make a name for yourself. And it's honestly a little, a little more taxing than in college. And like you said, you have to learn how to take care of your body with like nutrition, with sleep, with whatever rehab you have to do. It's, um, that was probably the biggest difference from college to the professional world for me. And one of the things we talk about a lot with uh, European players or listeners too, is just the, I think people don't understand like the scope, like how massive like division one soccer facilities and sports facilities are in general. So they're like really comparable to these giant clubs in Europe. So that transition in the tro into pro ball, like, Obviously, it's not going to be the same in terms of what's provided at, at a, a school like UNC, which is regarded as one of the best soccer schools out there. So for you, Ali, was that like a tough transition to make or was that something that you kind of expected? I think I expected a little bit of what I what we have right now. Obviously, we we kind of knew that UNC is a big university, lots of funding. Um, lots of fans and obviously there are big clubs over here in Europe like you said but mm. um, I guess we knew Fortuna wasn't going to be as big or as like as UNC and um, I think the the just like just coming to see the facilities um, we kind of knew that and like how they said how many fans they get at games compared to like what we got at UNC. We kind of knew that it was going to be a bit of a smaller scale. Um, but honestly, I don't think it was that hard of a transition. Like it obviously is hard to go down in like quality of stuff, I guess, like maybe the weight room or like the locker room isn't as, isn't as big or, Mm -hmm. uh decorative as at UNC but those are just like the little things in soccer and the soccer here was good like the quality was good and so focusing on that and not so much on the other things was kind of what my mindset was coming in mm -hmm. and for you Libby where did this idea come to play abroad well actually I wasn't really considering it too much um until we both entered the draft and we didn't get drafted. And after that, I was like, okay, well, I'm not just going to keep or quit playing. So I may as well start looking at these opportunities abroad. And there's actually a UNC grad, a couple years older than us, didn't know her, who was playing here, who had emailed us. And I went back and I found the email and I was like, well, I may as well respond now and just see what happens. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of spontaneously booked flights over here and just came over here to give it a shot and then decided to stay. It wasn't a super long time commitment. So we were like, well, we may as well just give it a shot over here. We get to keep playing. 
Um, that's all we really wanted. So. And was it a trial or was it a direct contract? Yeah. So we were on trial for probably about a week and then got offered contracts and just signed and stayed. And Ali, what things have you learned from the pro game and what things off the field have caught your attention? As I mentioned earlier, I think the biggest lesson I learned was how important first impressions are um, and continuing to work on those first impressions because um, for professional coaches, like you can send film, you can send your resume, like they can see what school you're coming from. And sometimes European coaches don't even know like how big college soccer is in America. So they don't really grasp it. Um, they can have all that stuff, but really they're only gonna know you from like your first week of training, like how you how you play, how you perform. Um, so that was a big one I learned. Another thing like off the field, Libby kind of mentioned it, it's definitely different dynamics than in the college world because you're all college athletes, you're all in school, you're all studying, like you're all in, on like the same track of life, but here in the professional world, like she said, there's like some 30 year olds, there's 20 year olds, there's still like teenagers in school, there's people with spouses, there's people that are single, there's like so many different dynamics. So on the field, we all show up, we all hang out, but then like after it's kind of like up in the air. And I think that's what was different about college is like we, we used to always hang out um, a lot as a team, not just like as small groups, um, maybe like going to get dinner, stuff like that. Um, and here it's a little bit different. So that's another lesson I've learned is to try to get to know your teammates as well as you can in the practices and the games and the meetings and the locker room. Like that's where you really have to focus on developing those relationships. Cause if you don't develop a relationship off the field, it's going to be hard to play with them on the field. And I, I read an article in March saying that there are eight Americans on the team. Is that still the case? Yes. So, there's so I mean, how is how is it to have that slice of of America in Denmark? Yeah, I think we're very lucky to be at a club our first time abroad in Europe with eight Americans because it helps the cult, the cultural difference like feel mm -hmm. less intense. Um, the Danish players here, there's they they speak English so well, and the coaching staff speaks English all the time. So that's another thing we're very thankful for. Um, but just having Americans around does help, I think, because we can talk about our college experience. We can talk about like our life kind of relates more than maybe the Danish woman. Um, and honestly, it's been nice because we hang out with them a lot outside of soccer. Um, they kind of like a little sense of home, I guess. And it's yeah. obviously Libby's here, Libby's here to help with that. But just to have a good amount of other girls um, makes it feel a lot better. And I know that like teams all across Europe may have like one American or no American. So I know we were quite lucky with uh, stumbling on this team with eight Americans. And are all the Americans kind of coming out of out of university like you guys, or is it kind of a, a bit of a of a mix? Um, yeah, some of them took like fifth years, so they're probably two years older. Um, like one girl had played at Lithuania for a year and then okay. came here. Um, but yeah, pretty much 
our group is out of college or has had one year of professional playing somewhere and then have come here. So we're all about the same age, kind of similar experiences. And then there are a few older girls um, that have been playing for a while that are American. So that's nice too, um, mm. to kind of listen to them and their experiences and kind of go to them for advice sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So for you, Libby, playing for a club like Fortuna, I mean, it may not be like we talked about, it may not have the flashy facilities as, as much as, you, as UNC did, but it's still a club that has a rich historic uh, pastime with many countless uh, titles, part of the Champions League. How does it feel to kind of walk into something like that, knowing the history and the passion that has, has brought the club to, to such success? Yeah, no, definitely. I think that was something that stood out to us about Fortuna. I mean, the possibility of playing in Champions League in our first year abroad is amazing. I mean, we couldn't have asked for anything more than that. And then just their history, they've been along forever. Everyone in Europe pretty much knows the name Fortuna, um, whereas they may not know these other Denmark clubs just because it is small. Um, and it's not, you know, the English league, but yeah, so I think that was really important and just kind of being able to be a part of something that has such a rich history, um, I think is really cool for both of us, like despite not having all the flashy things, I don't think like we don't really need that, but being able to say that we're part of a club that has such a great history and has been along for so been around for so long and continuing to fight in the top three in this league even as more teams join and it gets more competitive I just think uh yeah it's really cool we can say that we were a part of that once we have been here and Ali how has the Danish football been what is what are the differences in the college game was there a big adjustment adjustment was something that really surprised you in terms of how they play the game or is it much different than than the college game yeah the first thing I realized, um, the difference of Danish soccer and I guess college soccer was the physicality. Mm. Um, <laughs> the refs here let a lot of things go that might have been called back in the U.S. And um, that was definitely a, a punch in the face when we got here. Um, even at trainings, at games, it's it's a lot more physical. And I hope that's made us stronger players, at least, which is awesome to experience. Um, another thing is, at least that I've noticed, is uh, they focus a lot. At, this could just be Fortuna and not all of Danish soccer, but they love transition. They love uh, to go forward once we get it. And um, that might be a little different. I mean, we, we appreciated the transition at UNC, but this is like, we harp on making the runs in behind. Um, and uh, trying to go forward once we get the ball. Yeah, those are <laughs> probably the two biggest differences. So do you find the game faster or slower? Because generally generally when we talk to, I mean, on the men's side, it's the college game is so hectic, and because of the subbing, you can you just play at 100 miles an hour the whole time. Whereas in Europe, there's or at least in Germany, there's phases of the game where it gets like you just kind of wait, and then it for a few minutes it's very fast, and then it slows down again. I think that, again, this could just be Fortuna, but our coach loves to press. And mm. so when you're on the field, it feels like you're going 
100 miles per hour all the time. Like on defense, you're either pressing. Um, and then on offense, you're making runs forward. Um, so honestly, it's a, I feel like it's a fast game over here. Um, unless maybe we're up a couple goals and we're enjoying possession. But usually it's either we're pressing or we're going for a goal pretty much like the whole game. And for you, Libby, kind of on the same topic, how have you felt your game has been able to, like, how have you been able to show your strengths? And then what kind of weaknesses have you seen in terms of what they want, what the coaches want in this, in this certain tactical setup? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll start with the weaknesses because we are kind of just talking about that, but playing very direct, I guess. In college, I was more of a possession player um, in mm -hmm. the midfield, like, I like to keep possession. I like to make the extra pass sometimes. Um, and so that can kind of clash with the tactics that they want here. It's like first pass forward, whereas sometimes when I win the ball, you know, I just want to make that first pass and make sure we keep possession. Um, so that's something I'm struggling with, just getting in my mind, like play forward um, at every opportunity that you can. So that's been hard for me to adjust to, but I think it's, you know, making me a better player and helping me see new things on the field. Um, and then for my strengths, I'd probably say um, I like the way that we press. And so I feel like in the midfield, defending has been a strength when we're all pressing together. Um, it's easier to win those balls in the midfield. And when we're organized, it's easier to defend 1v1 and, you know, win the ball. So then just working on just really playing forward, um, trying to make those counterattacks happen because that really is what we focus on. Like he basically expects us to score off a counterattack like at least once a game, which mm -hmm. I guess that was different in college. It was like, go for it if you can, but we don't want to lose it um, trying. So yeah, those are still what I'm adjusting with and trying to challenge myself and get better at that. And how about the strengths that you, you're bringing in? Um. I'd say that I'm a really gritty player, so I like to work hard and I'll run around the whole midfield. Um, and I think defensively, sometimes uh, sometimes the league lacks like strong defensive players um, because there's such a focus on like dribbling and going forward. So I think that I bring in um, like a defensive presence that isn't always there. So I'd say that's probably my strength and Ali we kind of spoke a little bit about it how there's there's really not so much information on everything that's around the game and kind of like finding the ways you have to do these things so I mean from what you've learned so far up into this point what kind of advice can you give to to girls in college who are maybe looking to make the jump in in terms of things that they really have to consider I would honestly tell them to reach out to as many people as they can even if they don't know someone, like just DMing someone on Instagram, like if they see, say, a, a college teammate or a college player that is playing somewhere abroad, even like from their own league or from a different league, from a team they've played or anything like that, just reaching out and asking them maybe like how they got to where they are, or like how the club is or like if the club is looking for anyone, that kind of thing um, will definitely help at least like take some steps into going pro because 
honestly, that's what I wish I would have done maybe my like senior year of college is to start reaching out to people to hear about the different leagues and different experiences because there's honestly no real other way to do that except for podcasts like this one. Um, on top of that, using your coaches, we were so lucky that our coaches at UNC again had professional connections. So we, we leaned on them a lot to maybe like talk to coaches here in Europe. Um, if you could find a, like a coach or something like that around you or someone you've worked with, that would be another good step. And then the whole agent process, that's, that's the one thing I maybe don't have much information on. We were so lucky that uh, Summit Sports reached out to us on social media on Instagram and was like, we know you guys are graduating, like we're here if you need help in any way. And so we ended up signing with them because they reached out to us on Instagram. And if they didn't, I, I really don't know how else we would have gotten an agent to help us through this whole process. Was that something, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, it, it, we also had the same experience in college where you rely a lot more on other people to help you get things done. Whereas when you make the transition to the pro game, it's a lot, it's all on you. It's it's a lot of, you have to make things happen. Like you said, you have to reach out to people yourself, ask the right questions, or just ask any questions to learn about how to do it because there is no roadmap. Like there is when you go to high school, go to combines, go to college. And then after college, it gets a bit tricky because this is an environment where there is no information unless you reach out to people in the program. Was this something that you kind of had an idea you'd have to do, or it's like you're just learning on the fly? For me, I I think I'm just learning on the fly. I uh, my our senior year we ended in the fall, so it was our it was our season like the football season, and so that was all I was focused on until December what fifth yeah. something like that, and so. I never really thought about reaching out or like anything professional because I was so focused on our season. And so right when our season was over, I, we ran into like graduation, we ran into like other things. And so life got really busy and I, I just wish that I knew to maybe start the process earlier because yeah, I am, I feel like we were just thrown into it and we're learning on the fly. Like our, our college coaches told us as much as they knew. Um, our former like UNC teammates tried to help us out as much as we knew. But yeah, I feel like I'm still learning. I know Libby feels like she's still learning. Um, and coming to the end of this contract here in Denmark, we're learning a whole new process of transferring. Um, mm -hmm. And again, we're lucky to have an awesome agency to help us through this process. But yeah, I feel like I'm still learning every day about different aspects of this professional football path and Libby was it similar for you yeah definitely I think we've both been learning on the fly um like she said we kind of just quickly were thrown into it um in December and you, I knew I needed to get an agent because I talked to some of my teammates and some of them were like well that's really important in our opinion and so that was something different that I'd heard but I still kind of took my time with it um and so I do think talking to former teammates um, really helped me, especially. And so I think that that's something that we can try and do with the rest of our team now that we've been through this experience and kind of at least help that group of girls go through it um, and guide them a little bit, even though we're still figuring it out. Um, like she said, this transition 
is completely different than what we went through coming here. So it's a new opportunity to learn new things and learn learn about the whole process, continue to learn about it and how to go about moving around, finding other teams, um, you know, taking advantage that we do have one season of professional experience, um, which is different, you know, than when we came here. So trying to figure out how to best use that and go from there. Yeah, definitely still learning. Yeah. And to go off Libby's point of reaching out to like former teammates, I know not everybody is lucky enough to play with people that go pro have gone or go professional. But I think the the women's football world is like, if anyone reached out to me from anywhere in the U.S. asking questions about my process and I didn't even know them, I would love to help them out. And I'm sure footballers all around the world are like that, especially in the women's side, because it is such a hard process and everyone knows that. And so I think another tip for me would be don't be afraid to reach out to like anyone. Um, because yeah, I feel like women footballers are eager to help other women footballers. Totally. And what is Denmark like off the field and, and your expectations with reality for you, Ali? I did not know much about Denmark before coming here. I knew where it was located on the map. I knew about the weather, not much sun, that kind of stuff. But it's been fun to learn about like this new culture, this new environment. Um, talking with teammates, I've got to learn like a grasp of their their lifestyle, like their schooling, their like soccer yeah. process up to the age of like 20 or wherever they're at, which has been cool. And then outside of it, it's been cool to We've been trying to learn learn a bit a little bit of the language, but it's obviously a hard language to pronounce and to learn. Um, I've, we've got to travel a good amount around Denmark. We've gotten to see some cities, some coastal areas. Um, and yeah, I hope we get a little more immersed into the culture. We've, we've tried some food, some Danish food, but yeah, again, I think going back to the point of having like eight Americans on the team, it's a little, it's like a win in the, it's, it's like good and bad because the good part is like we go to them for like comfort and like for that kind of stuff. But a bad thing is that we could, it, we could use that to like hide away from immersing into the culture that we're at yeah. right now. And that's mm -hmm. one thing I'm trying to learn like the balance of. Yeah. And Libby, is it similar for you? Yeah, very similar. I definitely think that because so many people here speak English, just in general, like we can go to the store or the restaurant, and if we start speaking English, they immediately switch to English. So we haven't been forced to learn the language, which has definitely influenced my um, progress in learning the language. Um, so I think in that way, it makes it feel not as culturally different because I can still survive speaking English. Um, but at the same time, I do want to challenge myself and kind of be a part of the culture, like fit into it more. Um, but yeah, I'd say we've been traveling a lot and that's been great. Like I've loved seeing all the different towns and cities and we got to stay in Copenhagen after one of our games there. Um, we actually go there a lot. So yeah, that was really fun and a good experience. So just trying to make the most of our time here, um, whether that's exploring new places, um, 
trying to make good relationships with the Danish girls. Um, yeah, and just enjoy being here while we're here. Sean and I are big fans of Copenhagen. It's a great city, big, isn't it? Big fans, yes. Yeah, it's really fun. It's a great point that you guys make, though, because I had a similar thing where I was in a team in Sweden with a ton of Americans. And at times it can kind of stop you from really immersing in the culture because, like you said, it is, it is very tough to be abroad, especially when you're first beginning. And so that little slice of comfort to feel like, you know, you're just hanging out in a random house and like yeah. it feels like a summer camp almost sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but it is the flip side, whereas maybe like, it could help you really come to terms with where you are and what you're doing. If you're kind of immersing yourself in the culture and then who knows how much you could even grow further. So for you, Ali, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's a ton of it too. I mean, back and forth, but how have you felt you've kind of grown as a person uh, off the field from an experience like this? I think I was always a person afraid of change um I didn't want to like I didn't want to leave UNC Chapel Hill like those were probably the best three and a half years of my life up to this point um but coming here and finally I think it's been like three months I finally feel like settled and comfortable and enjoying this new environment and these new people that I'm around these new teammates and I think that just shows that shows me that change is scary but change can also lead to like a really cool new experience, a new process. And so I think throughout my professional career, I'm obviously going to have to go through a lot of changes. And I think this first big change is going to help me uh, be more eager or open to the change down the road. That mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's the ripping the bandaid off. It's the training wheels kind of just to, to set up the building blocks for, for the next things that are coming. Has it been similar for you, Libby? How have you kind of reflected on your growth in, in this new experience? Yeah, pretty similar. Um, I think I'd say before this, I was definitely a person that liked to have a plan um, and a schedule and have things mapped out. And that's definitely not the case here. So I think that I've been growing with my ability to adapt and be able to be okay with uncertainty um, in the present and in the future. Um, so yeah, I think just growing and being able to adapt and respond to challenges and unknown um, instances is probably the biggest thing. And just being able to keep being independent. It's obviously different being away from your family and close friends. I do have allies, so I'm not totally dependent. Um, but yeah, it's been a big change in being away from my family and people who are always there to support me. Can you foresee yourself going to a club in the coming seasons without any other Americans? Where you're the only one, you're the only foreigner on the team, possibly? We have been looking at that, actually. And that's definitely a factor that um, having Americans makes us want to go to that place. But looking at other clubs and, you know, countries and teams that we're interested in, that's not always the case. You know, maybe there's one American and maybe they're also older. Um, so it's like... It could be different, but it's something that I'm open to and it's starting to become a reality. So trying to deal with that. Um, yeah, it's hard trying to deal with that, but I think that we both know that it's unlikely we'll be on the same team again. So coming to terms with that and just accepting that 
we'll be in a new environment and there may not be Americans, but that's something that I think we'll be ready to deal with after going through this change. Um, it's kind of like a stepping stone almost. So like, this is the next big change. Um, but yeah, we're both preparing for that reality. So no package deal is no, that's not going yeah. in the contracts. <laughs> I, wish that. I wish. You know, you'd be surprised. Sometimes it can yeah. happen, but I mean, we'll see what the future holds, of course. Ali, do you have any general advice, I guess, for, because we talk about realities a lot in this episode. So do you have any advice for players in college who, who have kind of this feeling like maybe I want to go pro, I've played alongside great people, or even if not, they don't have, you know, those people on their teams or former teammates to look up to, but they still have this desire to play pro and didn't or can't necessarily get a shot in the NWSL because we know it's super competitive and, you know, hopefully more teams and more more avenues come up for professional soccer in, in the U.S. But a lot of the times you have to go abroad to, to get the, that taste. So what kind of advice would you give to players about the, the realities and the possibilities of pursuing your professional career? I think for anyone who has the desire and is performing at a, a great level at the college division of football in America has a great opportunity here in Europe. There are so many countries, so many different leagues, which is so different from the US. There's there's different levels, there's different countries. Like I think with all this opportunity here in Europe and even other countries like Australia or um, Asia or literally anywhere, you are bound to find in my opinion, you are bound to find a place where you belong and hopefully where you can excel and enjoy the experience of playing professional football. And the process to get to that team or that environment might be a little rocky or a long process, but I think if you are dedicated and you want to do this, then you will try to find a way to find that club or that team or that environment. And Libby, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I would just add that I think that once you make the jump over, then I think it's a lot easier. That's probably the biggest part. So just if you love the game, take that jump, um, go to a club, and then you'll be able to move from there if it's not perfect at first. But I think there are so many places that you're definitely going to find a place that you fit in and you enjoy, you know, 100% on the field, off the field. Um, yeah. And reflecting on the journey right now, what things would you say helped you get to this point? So in other words, why did Libby and Allie make it as a pro? Um, well, I'll start first. Uh, we actually we both have a lot of brothers, and I think that's influenced us both growing up. I'm technically the youngest of my brothers, and so um, we've always been competing with each other and pushing each other. So that just kind of ingrained like a competitive mentality into me and once I got to college like that was just accelerated um, at UNC we actually have a core value for competitive fire and so I think that's something that really helps when you make this adjustment to the pro because first of all you're competitive enough because you know that you're going to make it when you go pro because you want to so you know you can make it and then once you get here it's what keeps you going I think at least for me it's been keeping me going um, when I've been over here knowing that 
you know, I can fit in here and I can make an impact here. And wherever I go, I have the ability to go somewhere else and keep growing from here. Um, and then I also think a big thing has been my support system growing up. You know, my club coaches still actually reach out to me and have been supporting me in college and even here, which I feel like a lot of people might not be able to say that. So I've been really lucky to have that. And my college coaches, of course, you know, still reach out to. So I think really the reason that I've been here is for, you know, all the support that I've had and the, you know, my family pushing me, my teammates pushing me to be the best that I can be. And then what keeps me going is that I just want to reach all of my potential and be the best that I can be and see how far that I can go. So that's what keeps me going now. And yeah. Yeah, let me sum that up very well. Tough um, act to follow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> obviously I have so many people to thank for where I am today. Like she said, my family for all the support they've given, um, all my teammates who've pushed me in every way and like supported me on my lows, maybe stopped me from quitting or like losing my dream of playing professional soccer all my coaches since I've been little, again, some still reach out from when I was in high school, college coaches still stay in touch. And they've all helped us or helped me in my next step of football, I guess, like club coaches helped college, college helped professional. And so we are very lucky for that whole support system. Um, and I think another big aspect of why we are where we are right now is because like because of myself. Um, because of my love for the game, my dedication, um, my competitive competitiveness, like she said, since I was five, I've, I've loved playing football. And that's what led to so many maybe extra hours of training, uh, pushing my boundaries by playing with older teams, maybe boy teams of boys. Um, and like in the end, I think the reason why I'm still where I am today and still playing football is because of my love for the game and my dedication and the fact that I want to play football and for as long as I as I, as I can physically because I mean who doesn't want to play their favorite sport and get paid for it year-round like I think we are very lucky to have this lifestyle and I'm gonna do all that I can to make sure I can do it for as long as I can it's a great way to put it I couldn't right. have said it better we're going to head into the fast feet round, the legendary fast feet round, where we do some quick fire questions to, to answer. We'll do a little bit of a snake draft here. So we'll ask it and then we'll start and the next person will come in too. So first one, we'll start with Ali. Favorite player growing up? I would say Abby Wombach. Um, She was a goal scorer and I loved scoring goals. So that was honestly the player that I loved watching when I grew up. I'm going to have to say Wayne Rooney um, as a big Man U fan. And I, he got a Man U. I got a Man U shirt on right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. And favorite moment in football? Libby? Um, probably playing in a national championship <laughs> yeah. last fall. Yeah, if we're talking about playing, I would say that as well. But if we're talking about watching... I would go back to my favorite player, Abby Wambach, when she scored the um, tying goal in the 2011 World Cup against Brazil oh, yeah. Yeah. in the stoppage time. That moment's like ingrained in my brain. Was that the header? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Back I do remember that's ingrained that. too. Yeah. That, what a, oh. 
Allie, staying with you, what about most difficult moment in soccer? That's a hard one because I could honestly say right now could be one of my hardest moments. Um, mm -hmm. But, yeah, I, I'm going to go with right now. Just, like, yeah. struggling with, again, the change, fighting for playing time here. But we're getting through it. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll say not getting drafted um, in January. That's probably the toughest moment. Best advice you ever received? I'm going to go with don't compare yourself to others. Um, I think that's been really important for me. You know, a lot of my friends took the path of the draft, whether they were older than me. Um, and so I'm making my own path and I'm trying to just do it myself and not compare the timeline um, or anything. And I think that also relates to everything, not just soccer, but in life, you know, don't you don't need to compare yourself to others. Everyone is doing their own thing and it's going to work out how it's supposed to. For me, my club coach, maybe in high school, said, play like you're on the national team. And a little bit of background, I went to some youth national camps when I was in high school, and we were playing in a game, and it like I wasn't performing as well as I should have been. I wasn't standing out. And when he said that to me, I was like, something clicked in my brain. I'm like, yeah, I need to perform like how I should. Like, I should be standing out. I should be scoring goals. And ever since then, it kind of like I used that advice as like a click in my brain to like step up my game when I'm when I feel medi mediocre or feel like I'm just like cruising instead of excelling. Do you realize that like in game? Is that like a, a tick that you have that kind of can can wake you up in game or is it more like when you're in training or before or anything like that? Honestly, I probably haven't said that to myself in a game but I, I say that to myself a lot in training sessions when again I feel like I'm just cruising through the training session or not like pushing myself as much as I should that's when that advice like clicks in my head and staying with you Ali best player you ever played with and against best player I played with I'll say Emily Fox she we played with her at UNC for like two-ish years and she's um, playing at NC Courage right now and a, um, a member of the USA Women's National Team. So it was quite an honor to play with her. And then against her, against someone, I would say, mm, um, Trinity Rodman, actually. I played against her in my senior year of high school at an ECNL championship game and she was just running all over us. So that would be my answer. <laughs> yeah, best player with that, I'd definitely say Emily Fox. Um, against. Well, I don't know if this counts, but I'm just gonna say Alessia Russo, probably defending her at training. Um, yeah, she's really counts. hard to defend. <laughs> I can, yeah, I can yeah. imagine. If you weren't a footballer, what would you be? Um, I think I'd probably be a physical therapist. This is a boring answer, but probably a consultant. Consultant for what? Uh, <laughs> honestly, that's that's a good question. I'm not sure. I just know <laughs> some type of consultant. Gotcha. Fair. Um. How about favorite book, Allie? I would say Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. That's been Ooh, a book right. that I've That's right behind me. for a couple of years, yeah. 
Kidding. Um, I guess I'm just gonna go with Harry Potter. <laughs> Fair. We've gotten Harry Potter a yeah. few times too. So we had that a few times. Good. Yeah. Good. Any quote or mantra that you live by? Yeah, one of my coaches actually told me this um, in January when I was dealing with trying to figure out going pro. She said, "There's this quote called they don't they tried to bury me. They didn't realize I was a seed." And she was like, that is about you. Um, you're the seed that just comes, keeps coming. Um, and so I feel like I've been living by that quote ever since. Um, and it's definitely helped me get through a lot of hard times. You know, it's still helping me over here. Um, so, yeah. That's brilliant. I got to write that For down. me, I guess going on the theme of Dave Goggins, he has a quote in the book that says, you're in danger of living a life so comfortable and soft that you will die without ever realizing your true potential. And that kind of just like reminds me to push myself outside of my boundaries every day that I can. Wow. You both really mic dropped there in the last question. That's, yeah. that's good stuff. We want to, we want to thank you so much, Ali and Libby for coming on and sharing your experience and your story. And, you know, we can't wait to see what the future holds. We'll be following along. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having thank us. You guys. Appreciate thank you. Yes. Enjoyed everything. Thank you. Yeah, special shout out to Ali and Libby. Um, very thankful for them coming on and sharing their stories. It's, I think it's such a good perspective to have. A lot of the times we have players who have gone through it and had many years in this business and can kind of reflect a little bit. But to have two guests who are like really just getting into it, there was like a lot of familiar feelings that were coming back for me. I don't know if they were for you too, Sean, just kind of like and yeah. how they were describing this first initial jump. And there's... So much excitement because it is like your first pro contract. There's there's still so much like there's anxiety about it of what's going to happen. This is my first time like really being away from my support system. And then there are a few things that don't go towards their expectations. There are a few things that are reality. But then there's also finding all the amazing things about what you're doing. And I could hear that they're really going through this process. Um, but what struck me was how like intrinsic and how open they are about it. Like they really realize everything that's going on and they, they're accepting the difficulties. They're understanding that some things aren't going as smoothly for them. And they're accepting that there's this adaptation period and they're, although it's been scary, it doesn't seem like they're scared to, to continue on it and to see what they can become and see what they can become as players, as people off the field and just seeing where the path can take them and understanding you know, kind of like we talked about with with Annie, that the path is not going to be A, B, C, but it could be, you know, A, B, E, D, you know, whatever, just jumping around. And it was it was amazing to talk about them and, and having this fresh perspective, being Americans in, in Denmark. And um, yeah, another one, I'm, I can't wait to see like where the long career takes them all. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting to see them because like you said, we always we often talk to people that have already had a career for a few years and those few years make a big difference because you have perspective then. But in our first season as a pro, you, all you know is this. So it's like, is this always how it's going to be? You know, is this how every club is run? Is this how every professional team is like? And yeah, you can get in your head a lot or just think, okay, this is not what I expected or maybe professional soccer is not what I want to do. Um, but then as you go, down the line after a few seasons you realize okay think this this is how things are and this is how things are just at certain clubs and i think having a perspective from someone right out of college only a few months four months into it uh 
yeah, it was was nice to hear, and I'm excited to see where they where the future holds. Another thing they said, um, we re reiterated a few times, was just this reaching out to people. You know, like I think she's so right in terms of soccer players. Um, I think both male and female are very open to to at least talking. Not everyone can help you because you know, at a certain level, a lot of people reach out and just want you to, you know, help them. Can you get me a contract? But asking people how they went about some way, you know, even if you don't know them, I think reaching out to people like the the soccer world can be quite small and you don't know where your network can really extend. So just trying that and seeing what the possibilities are, because, you know, some things, some contracts and some transitions and are not going to come easy. Um, some transfers like learning on the fly, how everything's going. So reaching out to people who have done it before um, and asking questions and who knows, maybe they can help you. I think that's very important on both sides of the game is just expanding that network and not being afraid to reach out. Right. And doing that sooner than later is, is always going to be helpful because like we mentioned in, in during the episode is that when you get into this side of the game, a lot of it is on yourself to do. Whereas yeah. in college, like everybody is pampered as a student athlete is a lot of things are done for you and there's people looking out for you. Whereas you get to this side and no one's looking out for you. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's up to you to make things happen. And that's, yeah, a really, really big point to, have a long and successful career. And that's what it seems like they're doing. I mean, I think the the reflection is there and they 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 know what it's going to take. And like I said, I'm very excited for what the future holds. So, you know, make sure you follow them on Instagram. We'll, we'll be sharing their their um, their handles and everything. Um, catching up with them at Fortuna. We'll be posting that too. Um, and for us, yeah, the free support always helps keep keep liking, keep sharing keep plugging keep passing all that good stuff you know we appreciate you if 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 you listen to these episodes and you know you tune in each week with us and um yeah it's just it's amazing to see where the podcast is growing and the people we're able to interview and you know the people who reach out and tell us that they've heard our episodes and and appreciate the the education and the feedback and everything that we're saying in it so you know We'll see what comes next for us, too. Yep. Until next time. Keep moving forward. Keep learning. And make your own path. Footwork is sponsored by ourselves and great companies such as Kong Fitness. But we love to partner with new brands to make their own paths, so get in touch if you must. Footwork.club, the official footwork website, is now live, so make sure you go join the club and check out all the new content and all the new features. Find us on YouTube at Footwork Podcast. You better like and subscribe while you're there. If not, I don't know what to tell you. Find us on Instagram at Footwork underscore podcast. Great time there. And Twitter at Footwork Podcast. TikTok at Footwork Podcast, where we like to post dance videos those are great but more importantly amazing content for any dream chasers out there plug plug pass tell your friends your enemies your mother your brother your sister your pastor it doesn't matter who tell the mailman your dog anybody that can listen like subscribe review because all of that helps while you're there we'll take whatever we can get to join the club join the club he messed yeah. me up i mean he can just he can just mash it together so it's fine <laughs> <laughs>